Hey everybody, welcome back to the Hip Hop Housewife Podcast. This is Mrs. Right Now, aka Danny S, back with episode 7, where I'm here to talk about the recap of, so far this is probably my favorite episode, the recap of episode 7, Boxing Hand, Wu-Tang, and American Saga on Hulu. Wow, guys, I am speechless after watching that last episode. It was a bittersweet one for me. I liked it, but at the same time, it was hard for me to watch it a second time. It was pretty emotional for me, and I just think that it touched on so many different things for one particular character that I just did not realize um, or know that those events happened in that person's backstory. So let's jump right in. Episode 7, entitled Boxing Hands, centers around Shotgun, a.k.a. Method Man, played by Dave East. Dave East does a phenomenal job. He was already doing great, and he was the perfect casting choice for this part to play Method Man. We've been saying, you know, hip-hop fans have been saying from uh, as soon as Davey stepped on the scene that he reminds us, us of Method Man as far as his look, his height, his um, his mannerisms, his style. So he was the perfect choice. But anyway, we dive into his backstory through a series of flashbacks. You see him playing lacrosse in Long Island. You learn about how he is... Um, living with different family members. His mom is currently um, out of his life. They don't explain why. It sounds like maybe his mom was um, trying to get herself together, maybe going through some transitions. So he was living with different family while she secured another apartment and a place for him and her to live. But, um, But basically, he had a difficult childhood. Um, He's a teenager in the flashbacks. He's living with grandma. He's living with an aunt. Uh, Cousins that he's living with aren't really supportive. And he has a tough time, you know. And you can tell that there's a sense of... um, sense of just longing for family you can tell at least that's what I felt from the character so when we revert back to the uh current story he sees Bobby and the Diggs family packing up their truck to go to Ohio so it turns out Jerome aka Bokeem Woodbine his character made good on his promise to move Mrs. Diggs and the family to Ohio into a new house and it's bittersweet you know they're moving they're getting out of the hood and moving on to somewhere calmer and better for them and um at the same time they're leaving a lot of memories behind and sidebar can I just say I'm so happy that she no longer has to work in that diner for um big pussy from the Sopranos because he was racist as I don't know what You know, even if it wasn't always directed towards Mrs. Diggs, there was just a strong over undertone, excuse me, of um, disrespect toward anybody that just wasn't, you know, Italian. They they just were very disrespectful with the the jokes, the comments, the the sarcasm, like just very much always littered with 
you know, bigotry in, in any moment that they were on screen in the episodes. And I get it. That's just their characters for the show. And it highlights, you know, the racism that happens um, all over. But, you know, especially in Staten Island. But it, it, I was just sick of her having to work for them, period. So, yeah, shout out to uh, Jerome for making that happen and getting Miss Diggs up out of Staten Island. So Randy and Cherie and Miss Diggs are moving away. Bobby and Divine are going to stay at the Staten Island house and um, live there. So as Miss Diggs is saying her goodbye to her boys, um, Dennis is also there too. He helped them pack up and move. I noticed that um, as she's telling them to make something of themselves and all to look out for each other, you know, Dennis and Shotgun included. Davy's character shotgun has like almost a sad look on his face um he's not offended by what she says he takes it to heart you could tell but the way he's sitting in the scene he's kind of like perched on um on a on like a fence where he's sitting at and he has a leg injury and walks with a cane too so that may be why he's sitting that way but his back is kind of toward the group. And to me, it just further drove home that he's always been an outsider. He's always been a nomad. He's never had that real sense of family, especially being estranged from his mom and living with different people all these years that didn't necessarily nurture him or um, really take uh, take the time and the sensitivity to raise this young man. So it it just, like I said, moments like that, you know, just the empath in me and the sympathetic part of me, just really my heart went out to uh, Meth's character because it just, it it just seemed like he, he, he needed so much. And on top of it, he was in mourning because his friend Hayes had passed away, was murdered, uh, you know, in a chokehold by the cops in episode six. So we move on and we cut to... The guys living in the house, they're doing their bachelor pad thing. Divine is working a legit job. He secures a job cleaning um, at midnight in the buildings in Manhattan. So he's doing that and um, he's doing the best that he can. You could tell that, you know, it's not really him, but he's doing what he needs to do to survive and to uh, maintain his freedom. Bobby, on the other hand, is still doing music. They're still hustling, but not as much. The music he's making is starting to garner some attention. And Jizza, who is played by a young man, John Neal, I forget the last name, but he catches the attention of a, a black man that's a furrier and is uh, connected to Cold Chilling Records. So... Jizz's connection to this man that owns this fur shop and his connection to cold chilling ends up fostering a relationship with Bobby and this guy and a connection to some other record execs from Tommy Boy. So what they're doing is in the show, they're showing you how there's that brotherhood and unity within the clan where if one gets on they're trying to pull the others up and they're doing this through this this music business um thing so jizza goes down to the first shop he meets in the back with the guy of course you got roxanne and shantae roxanne shantae excuse me and big daddy kane sorry 
that are trying on furs and he's just totally impressed by the glamour the luxury and the guys connect um the guy whom i think his name was andre not Harrell, but just his character's name was Andre. He's played by Jamie Hector, a.k.a. Marlo from The Wire. So for all you Marlo fans, there's your man. My name is my name. So anyway, <laughs> that line was like one of the best lines in, in TV. <clears throat> so anyway, that um that connection with the record execs and Bobby results in them being interested in him. He and Shotgun are invited to Manhattan to a nightclub to do a showcase, and they tear it down. Bobby did not tank this time. He got up there and rocked it. The crowd loves him. He tried to shoot his shot at a little bottle girl waitress up in the club. You know, it was it was a good, good, good scene. It really was. It showed that things were starting to turn around. Shotgun came up there and ripped the stage, even with his cane, you know, even with the limp. So they rocked it. And um, it was a good night. They felt good about their progress, the connections they were making, and of course, the glamour and um, glitz. If you've ever been to New York City, and if it's ever like your first time in a, you know, New York City nightclub, it is no other feeling, you know. Um, even though people say like New York is not fun anymore or things have changed I feel like if you've lived here for more than 10 years you, you say that probably every 10 years but there's just something about <clears throat> excuse me there's just something about being at a New York City nightclub for the first time and I'm not talking like just a party I'm talking about like a Manhattan nightclub like velvet robes you know um VIP section spacious dance floor you know banging dj on the wheels like a funk flex or a mr c or a kid capri there's just nothing like that so um i definitely could uh resonate with with the guys and how they felt and then to be the center of attention and be performing and people loving your performance like i'm sure they were on cloud nine you know so the night goes on and um different execs uh approach the guys in particular a white male exec approaches shotgun but this man was so offensive to him um and remember shotgun is mourning the death of Hayes so he's not particularly you know in in a great mood and any little thing can set him off um the executive off off rip is just rude. You know, he makes assumptions that Shotgun is carrying a cane because, you know, he's a pimp or a drug dealer. And, you know, he makes assumptions and says things to insinuate because this is a young black male that raps that, oh, you probably, you know, have prior arrests and getting a record deal. I'm sure it'll be, you know, being in the streets it's just all types of wrong you know what he says to this young man so words are exchanged and of course shotgun loses his temper kicks over the bottle service that's sitting on the table in the vip and he is escorted out so um that ends not ends but that temporarily halts any future dealings that um Jamie Hector, a.k.a. Marlo's character, Andre, and the uh, white execs from Tommy Boy are going to have with Shotgun because they see, like, 
he's with the shits and he's not about to let somebody talk to him crazy and play that industry game just for fortune and fame. You know, he his attitude is I could continue doing what I was doing. You know, I don't really need this. Um, Bobby, on the other hand, is um, not necessarily trying to play industry games, but Bobby is more mild mannered and um, just a little bit more zen out out of all the guys in the crew. So he is, you know, pretty much a little bit more cooperative and they are continuing to work with him. One of the things that stood out to me, though, and this is not a shock because this is like early 90s hip hop. And if you're a hip hop head, you remember early 90s hip hop. Some of our favorite, favorite rappers, you know, aside from members of the Wu-Tang Clan, but people who have had early deals in the 90s, they've made gimmicky records that were not really their authentic musical selves. So looking back, you know, like this is that era where they're all about a gimmick, a pop crossover, hip hop song. Um, You know, they don't care about you maintaining street cred and that sort of thing. And when I say street cred, I don't mean criminal street. I mean, just being yourself and being uh, true to your style, you know, not trying to appeal to mainstream America, you know, right off the bat by being someone that you're not. And that was what a lot of rappers went through not everybody but there are a lot of people with stories like that and um thank goodness they were able to reinvent themselves and make the music that they wanted to later in their careers and thank god that rap stepped away from that and these labels and these artists saw the value and the the meaning for part of being true to yourself and then 90s continued and you know not going to give you a history lesson but Basically, we got away from that, thank God. And and as a result, we got some great music and some great moments in hip hop. But anyway, Bobby is going with the flow and he wants to drop that first first project. So he goes along with it. He gets a record, um, Denise Williams' free classic soul song and uses that sample to create uh, the backdrop for Oh, We Love You, Rakeem. Now, anybody who's familiar with Prince Rakim, a.k.a. RZA, knows that the backdrop for that song did not use Denise Williams free. It was like a horn heavy uh, production that he used. You know, the video used to play on like BET and underground hip hop channels, if you're familiar with it. So I'm sure somehow in the next episode, they're going to discuss how that sample did not get cleared and moving forward he had to go with other music so he's going along with this he cuts a record um shotgun and ray later see bobby's record and the cover art on the album in their local record store in the neighborhood and um you know they can tell it's a it's a sellout move you know even if it's unbeknownst to bobby it's definitely the labels urging to have him be this commercial lover boy uh image so moving forward we still got flashbacks going uh shotguns life in flashbacks and present day is highlighted throughout most of the episode when he realizes that his chances are pretty much 
you know, null and void with the record label connections. He flashes back to a time where his uncle, who I'm guessing was like a father figure to him, this was an uncle that um, had previously did time in jail, came home, and I don't, I'm not sure if he was necessarily selling or using or doing both, but he, um, he ended up getting in some trouble, maybe violating his parole and stuff like that, and going back to jail, and you could just see how that, you know, devastated that young man at that point in his life, so um, he's not really he's numb to a lot of things. He's not really excited, you know, about this whole record deal possibility. He's not really, you know, he doesn't really have much feeling left for a lot of things, you know, in addition to mourning his friend, uh, being dead. So it it just was a, it was a definite eye opener. Like I said, if these things were based on real life events of method man's childhood, it was a real eye opener. And um, it just makes you see even more how powerful these guys' stories are and um, how they overcame some serious obstacles. And also another important flashback I want to talk about was the uncle had brought him onto a job. And it was like a construction job, you know, and he was showing him how to like mix cement. And he told him, if you learn to trade, you'll always have a job. And like, which is, you know, many of us have heard that growing up and it's true, but like, no, not more than like a minute after he says that the, uh, foreman, the white foreman who's in charge on the job tells him, tells the uncle, you know, yeah, that job I promised you, like, it's not going to happen and I can't help you. I helped you before and you know, you're doing the same stuff, and he basically just tells them, like, you know, no, I'm not helping you again, and, and, you know, no, I don't have a job for you, and right there is the contradiction of how he just told his nephew, you know, Shaka, Shotgun, Method Man, that if you have a trade, if you have skills, if you go to school and get a trade, you always have a job, and he's watching him being, you know, emasculated and basically told like get the hell out of here you don't have a job now and the um foreman has some younger white guy who um takes that that position that that job position so yeah I mean it's just a lot of like letdowns you know it's not a bad episode like I said I think it was great it was powerful there were a lot of messages in it there were just, you know, the music as always was bumping. They used Judgment Day, which is one of my favorite, favorite uh, songs from Takao, too. I love that video, by the way, too. Meth was ahead of his time. Um, but, yeah, it, it's just it, it just had a lot of uh, disappointment and a lot of eye-opening things that you just, your heart just really went out to him and his, uh, his upbringing. You know, it was sad, the things he went through. But episode seven, y'all, I'm telling you, it was good. And it is setting the stage for the next episode, episode eight, where Bobby is about to embark on that industry, boy. Industry rule number 4080, record company people are shady. I'm just going to leave y'all with that. Uh, What else? Um... 
We didn't get to see Dennis's little brothers this time. That one with the glasses steals the show every time. Darius, that is my guy right there. Oh, man, he is something else with his one-liners. They were not in this episode, though. We saw very little of uh, Dennis, a.k.a. D-Love, Ghostface Killer, the lover boy. Uh, remember when he was on... Um, couples therapy or some reality show with couples on vh1 oh man whoever thought that hip-hop would take it that far they had my man ghostface killer he did a reality show um you know about being a playboy that's too much but anyway we love ghosts over here at the hip-hop housewife but anyway we don't see much of ghosts and sheree uh, except for the fact that uh, he puts a love letter in one of her books and she opens it. And of course, she's like super happy because Ghost is her boo. Uh, it was nice to see Randy and Cherie like sitting on the steps of the house. It looked peaceful. Randy was playing football with his dad. Um, I like Randy, you know, maybe because I have a soft spot for people with that name, you know. I loved Randy from The Wire. That was like my favorite character out of um, the boys from The Wire. But yeah, it was nice to just see them having some peace. I feel like Miss Diggs has been through hell and back episodes one through five, you know, so she deserves some peace. And um, hopefully they keep this house and everything goes as planned. Um, Like I said, things end shotgun is chilling on the block smoking a blunt and what i really admire about him he's not bitter um he is one of i would say the most resilient and positive characters in the show he's very no nonsense but he is not bitter at all he does not carry a chip on his shoulder even about his friend that just passed away like you can definitely see the sensitivity in him and the um the consideration he has for life and for other people but not once do i get from his character like uh, a fuck the world attitude just because he has some hardships growing up in life and um i commend him for that and if that's truly who method man is salute to him because most people will break under that type of pressure and um that type of upbringing and it did not make him bitter it made him stronger he congratulates bobby on um his success with you know the deal and everything like that and there's not a hint of hate or sarcasm in his congratulations he's truly happy for his friend but you can't help but to you know your heart goes out to him even more like he's not even a hater he's like a good friend you know you wish the same could happen for him but we all know how this story ends and um m-e-t-h-o-t-h-o-d man is coming guys i'm so excited i can't even talk straight but (laughs) but just watching him in that moment was bittersweet you know but other than that that is episode seven episode eight is on the way do not forget tune into hulu 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 wednesdays you got a new streaming episode and the preview for the uh, next episode every wednesday on hulu wu-tang and american saga the recap of episode seven brought to you by your girl 
the hip hop housewife, aka Mrs. Right Now on Instagram, the hip hop housewife on Instagram. Check me out. Make sure that you follow me. Hit me up on my IG stories. Leave a comment. Let me know what you thought about this episode. Tell a friend to tell a friend. And as always, peace and love. Take good care of yourselves and each other. Until next time, peace.